BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Happy Monday to all of you. I hope that you are all feeling well and staying safe. Today feels like the ultimate friend of a friend episode. I got to interview a very dear friend of mine who has dramatically changed my life in the way that she has motivated me, challenged me to be better, and really changed my perception on life and even my own self-confidence. If you have met Kirsty Godsell yourself, whether you've had the opportunity to take her class on the Nike training app or be lucky enough to take her class in person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't know, Kirsty Godso is a fitness luminary, an entrepreneur who's redefining the wellness industry, or as she likes to call it, the business of bodies. A New Yorker by way of New Zealand, Kirsty got her start while teaching a class at her local gym and was recruited by Nike on the spot to start recording workouts for their app, the Nike Training App. Fast forward, Kirsty is now a global spokeswoman for the brand and is a Nike master trainer who's often featured as the face of their app for her high-intensity workouts and hot sauce burpees. Yes, those are as scary as they sound. She's also the founder of her own high-intensity collective, Pyro Girls, and her own protein powder company, Made Of. In this episode, Kirsty and I talk about what it was like growing up in New Zealand and then moving to the big, bad apple, why she's challenging gender norms in the gym, and how she's defined her why in fitness, life, and beyond. Here's my incredible friend, Kirsty Godso. So you're in New York. Give us a setup. How have you been during quarantine? Whole thing. I am in New York City. It is definitely getting blasted in terms of the news of how bad it is here. And definitely not going to lie, it's not great. All my family are in New Zealand. You know, even like my best friend Georgia usually lives here with me. She's a Kiwi, but she's back in Australia. And like, I'm probably not going to see her for like six months, which kind of sucks. You know, we run like, so like yesterday on my run, I like ran down her street, even though I never take that running route. Because then I was like, Oh, I love but, that. But you know, obviously, like I live alone, which I'm grateful for because that's quite nice in terms of just having my own routine and stuff. But I have like just a few of my tight knit good friends like in my isolation bubble, and that's been really getting me through. And honestly, like in a weird way, like I feel better than ever. Like my body is so happy. I've been fighting like hormone issues and like working on that for years, and you know, working with like full on adrenal fatigue and repairing cortisol and everything, and Honestly, baby, I can say it's been like seven weeks now staying at home. My, and even within that time, like not traveling, like having consistency, my body's just like, yep, here we go. I'm like, 
I have literally said this on every episode. All I needed was stillness. I'm like, I know. I have said this on every episode that if you're somebody that like deals with adrenal issues like us, like this is the most eye opening experience ever. My hair is like down to the bottom of my ribs. My skin is really clear. Your skin is amazing. Like, I like constantly. So is yours. (laughs) I like. I'm sleeping well. My energy is fine. Like. I think sometimes we think we're doing all the right things for ourselves by racing to this gym and racing to this and racing. It's the racing. Like the racing is the worst part and trying to be everywhere all the time rather than ever just being in one place and fully committing to that one place. Obviously, like you know this, but the big piece of my job of what I do for Nike is really leading up the training on the Nike training app. And all of this work I've been putting in for like over, like I've been filming for the app for five years, but, and been with Nike for nearly nine, but Obviously with NTC Premium, that's been a big bulk of my job for the last two years and filming these programs. And this, it's crazy because Burn, my body weight only program on there, like now is like being like a quarantine savior for people. And it's so nice to me knowing like, well, I did all of that work filming that in the end of 2018. And now it's like, yes, we had people using it before, but as soon as we made that platform free and for everyone in the States to be able to access that. I'm sure it's insane. It's insane. And it's so cool. Like the stories we're getting from people being like, hey, like me and my sister have completely repaired our relationship through doing your program together. This is the thing. Like I love teaching classes because I love the energy like when we're in a gym. However, I just think you cannot eliminate comparison from people. They just are always like invested in what's happening next to them. And it's a natural human thing that we do. Whereas when you're just dialing into a workout at home, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on the Nike app, anything like that, it's just about you. Like, it's honestly just about you. You're there with the trainer. They're talking to you. It's your time. So I think it's really cool. I think I think you get to, like, really then be – I'm finding people are being more present almost in the, doing the workouts this way rather than, you know, when you were at the gym because you're flying into the gym or into a boutique and you're, like, scrambled because of, you know, like you say, the pursuit of the commute to get there. And then you're distracted by all this – all the, all the energy of people around you. And it's like, now you can just 100%. like in a one-on-one. It's kind of what, I guess, isolation is is probably going to make us so much more aware of beyond this is vibrational frequencies. And this is something I'm interested in because I love energy. And I think energy is the most beautiful thing about people. But like we were talking about earlier before we got on here, it's like, it can be one of the fastest things to derail something. You know, it can just take one person and it can be one thing. And it's like, I think it's on all of us just the same way we think about like what, we're doing in terms of actual energy and the, and the way that we treat the planet, like human energy has the potential to be catastrophic or so accumulative, likely powerful together. A hundred percent. If you guys haven't checked out the Nike premium, like portion of the app, it has literally been saving me in quarantine and it's been like a game changer. And it's also really nice. Cause like I get to see Christy every day. <laughs> Um, for <laughs> I've been breaking for, a, a lot of quarantine rules. I think I'm in like most isolation bubbles at this point. <laughs> it's hysterical. For yeah. people just tuning in, I am on a Zoom call with one of my amazing good friends, Christy Godzo. She has literally been a life coach to me and so many people for years. You know, Liv really was like one of my first friends when I moved to New York. And like, obviously you can tell by looking at her shining face, how beautiful and young she is. But I was like, swept away by her wisdom and her energy and like she has this presence about her I was like damn we must be the same age she's little did I know she's actually <laughs> like five years younger than me and I was like this girl is grace like and you just like we're like little fireballs you know like we wear our heart on our sleeve and we're like loyal till we die but you're 
friendship has always been so appreciated, even though I'm very much missing you on the East Coast, but I celebrate and I really support the uh, West Coast transition right now. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. So I always like to start, quote unquote, I don't know where we're starting right now, but start the show with asking where you're from and where you live now. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand, New Zealand, commonly known as Australia, down right down the bottom of the world. Not commonly known as Australia. <laughs> it is, sadly. <laughs> we're the boutique version. You know, we're a little like, I think we're a little funnier, a little more chic. And now uh, for the last four and a half years, I've been living in New York City. I've always wanted to ask you what that's like, because I feel like New Zealand, I mean, I don't feel like we yeah, know yeah. New Zealand is spacious and beautiful and so natural. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like growing up there and then now living in the most like simulation, like (laughs) we're living in a video game in Manhattan. Growing up in New Zealand, I think is, is amazing because you're so untouched. Like, and you know, obviously I was always fascinated by America because we saw it on movies and TV shows and I actually had American neighbors growing up. My parents divorced when I was young. I originally grew up in the city and then my mom had always grown up in the country and, and she's a professional golfer. And so it was always her dream to have a golf course. So we ended up moving out into the country. And at first I was like, this is terrible. Like none of my friends live out here, but like all my cousins and stuff did. And then, she, you know, we got pet sheep and we had dirt bikes. So the stuff was like, okay, not so bad. Cause I was like a ruthless tomboy. I mean, not saying that I've stretched too far from that. Um, I was going to say, still yeah, um And so like, you know, growing up for me was like, I went to an all girls private high school. So like, that was like my element of like, kind of like girly strictness. But like I was going home and living on a part farm, part golf course with dirt bikes. And like, you know, I was heavy into Eminem and loved driving cars. And my brother's a mechanic. And I just wanted to learn how to fix everything in the garage. Like I was very much like a dude. And like everything was, you know, it's very chill there. The food's amazing. You have a lot of animals. There's like so much nature around. Then when I moved to, I remember when I first moved to New York, I, because I started to travel a lot for Nike living in New Zealand. I did a lot of time between Australia and New Zealand. Then I started traveling to the States a lot, a lot, a lot. And then eventually it's moved because I'd come in too much. And they're like, hey, you can either like not come in or you need to have a visa and live here. I was like, okay, touche. Fair enough. Definitely overstayed. And Moving to New York, I was always wanted to move to LA, like always, always. And I actually signed my first contract with Nike in the West Coast. But then I moved to New York to design a gym, for Equinox here. And I hated my first year here. I hated it. I just felt like, I was like, I'm not meant to be here. Like, even though my best friend Georgia lived here, I was like, this is awful. Like, there's so much happening all the time. Like, I felt like I was in a tailspin. Like, I was just like, whoa, everything is so expensive. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, where is the grass? Like, where's the beach? And then like after a year of living here, I was like, oh, I get it now. And I sort of like fell into that, like, you know, that, that toxic love affair with New York. There's something about New York that I'll always feel indebted to because I think it pulled out, like Pyro started here. Like Pyro was brewing all along when I was younger. Like, so Pyro Girls is a, is like a wellness, like kind of collective thing that I have. But Pyro, where I really think is more of a mentality and an energy bracket of how people sort of describe a lot of the weird stuff I do. Um, and, you know, I don't think that that full side of me would have come out had I not had my time in New York. And I don't, and, you know, I think that New York has taught me so many invaluable lessons. And honestly, like the people that I've met here, I'm like, I, I would fight to the death for you. Like, I love you so much. And the thing that I love about people 100%. in New York is they're like, They'll tell you straight away. They're like, that's a terrible idea, but this is what you should do. You know, they're not going to like lead you on. It's like very much, and they help you. They help you so much more than you think. 
but they're pretty impatient. It's so. definitely the most collaborative place I've ever lived. Like yeah. all the people that have come into my life that have become close friends of mine while living in New York are all people that I either have or would collaborate with to an extent in some way, whether yes. it's like not even having to do with what I do for a profession, but like something just even for fun. I did not know that your mom was a professional golfer. I think that's super interesting because I know that you went on to study finance and business, but I wonder how health was incorporated in your childhood um, and sport. And also just so many parallels in, in the terms of like golf kind of being like a male sport and pyro kind of having yeah. like male origins in a way. And just wondered like how that permeated your childhood. Sorry, I just got so nerdy. I love but that. Was no, so curious. I, I, I love when you get nerdy. It really is like my, <laughs> this is the thing is people don't understand like Liv and I are like secret geeks. Like we live to learn. So both of my parents were both fantastic golfers. I honestly think this is probably why they divorced because I think my mom's a little better. <laughs> so when I was young, like she was actually playing the British Women's Open and stuff. And my dad would travel with her sometimes to you know, go do that. Obviously my brother and I were too young to be going. And then it was always her dream to have her own golf course where she could train people up to feel confident to be on the golf course because being on the golf course can be very intimidating. Like golf is, golf is a very difficult sport. It's also a pretty judgmental sport. You know, the thing I personally don't like golf. I also felt like I was just smothered with it growing up, but like, I do respect about it, the patience and the discipline. And so I think that those things got instilled in me and I would watch my parents, you know, the, the commitment that they had to their sport. Now, what's interesting, my mom is like a hippie kind of thing. And like, so, which is also not typical for a golfer. She's just like lives on another planet in her brain. Like it's a very happy life for Kay. She's having a great time. And then my dad is like very like square, like, like structure. Like he gives me that very business side of my, and I think a lot of the pyro kind of comes from this like fiery kind of, personality that my dad sort of has but then the energetic sort of thing I think comes from my mom honestly there's got to be something about having watched my mom really just love teaching people and just getting them to understand and getting them to fall in love with things that are difficult and you know obviously burpees is very different to like driving and chipping and putting but um it, yeah it was pretty cool to like watch that and then you know what is so crazy and I thought Dan this is great I remembered this yesterday before I spoke to you my mom made me do a life coaching course when I was nine years old, which I didn't even think about until yesterday. Like I remember really disliking her at the time because I was like, why is everyone else like on vacation? And I'm in this three week course, which is horrible. At the time I just thought it was like punishment and didn't really realize the impact that had had on me as a kid growing up and all of the ways that I like process emotion and things like that. So you know, I have all these different things that I do embed through the way that I train people and stuff, but I completely forgot that that started as young as like nine years old going to this life coaching course. Also savage, savage. Who does that to the kids? Savage, but like, wow, I am thinking so much about the way that you communicate with people. And I can, without a doubt, say that almost every conversation I've ever had with you has been I'm trying to like find the right way to say this but like <laughs> you like that has carried on into your life now like you're not like that's I'll get to this question but like you're not just a trainer you're not just in the health and wellness world like you have a talent and a gift for like listening to people and like you're the first person to offer up help like the first the thing that's like coming to mind for me is like when we were in Aspen in November and like I was just talking to you like I just 
like got on some like new medication and it was making me feel super sick and I wasn't feeling great. And, you know, I was just talking to you as a friend, but like you suddenly looked at me and you were like, all right, like we're going to fix this shit. Like we're going to talk about what you eat and like what, like how you work out. And like we ended up having like an hour and a half conversation about it. And like, that's just the type of person and friend that you are. And it's really rare. And like, I think that has so much to do with the fact that like, maybe that was ingrained in your mind when you were nine. Oh, thank you. Right. I mean, I just like, this is the thing. Like I love people. Like I think it doesn't matter. Like you could be whatever trainer. I think that's what has set me apart with what I do with Nike stuff is like, I'm like, I just care so much. Definitely. Feeling fatigued by the constant stream of bad news on the internet? I'm so excited to tell you guys about a new platform that has helped me discover new recipes, wellness hacks, and has been a really positive place for me on the internet. It's called Flora Wellness. Flora's vision is to make the world healthier through a holistic approach to wellness. Their mission is to enrich your life with meaningful content that can help you become healthier and happier. They create content across fashion, lifestyle, beauty, and culture through their daily newsletter and website, exploring everything from affirmations to practice for self-love, apps that'll help you be more productive, a complete guide to going vegan, feel-good films directed by women, and easy steps for an at-home facial. In response to the recent global civil rights movement, Flora has also launched an Amplify initiative. They'll be adapting the 15% pledge minimum to ensure that 15% of their editorial coverage will center around Black women and Black-owned businesses or inclusive brands, companies, and products. They'll also be sharing lists of Black individuals to support and Black-owned companies, brands, and platforms every day on their Instagram. They'll explore the ways in which we as a community can combat racism from discrimination in the workplace to bigotry within friend groups every week in a series on their website. I hope that this recommendation will help you discover new things about the world and yourself in your quest for betterment. Check them out at florawellness.com. That's F-L-A-U-R-A wellness.com. So having you and Joe Holder, obviously that's the Joe we're talking about people, if you don't know. Having you two as really close friends has been so like enlightening to me in so many ways in terms of health and wellness, but I have never once been able to like call you guys trainers. That's just not what you are. Thank you. And I think that like, it's interesting to me because I'm sure the same way that like being called an influencer bothers me, there is like that ecosystem within every single industry where we love to put people in a box and we love to label them. And so I'd love to hear what you, how you describe what you do. And if you were to give yourself a title, what it would be. I love, also, I would never call you an influencer. Like, so that <laughs> but that's because you know me the same way that I would never call you a trainer, but like to, yeah. to you know, to add to the average yeah. person, they don't know better. It's true. I call myself an energy dealer because that is like a ridiculous title, but I feel like it kind of encompasses some of the things that I do. But obviously, so I have a double business degree. I studied finance and marketing. I love learning. I love business. I love numbers, but I love movement. I love the body. I love everything to do with health. Like in terms of, you know, nutrition, just mindset, recovery, anything that I think can make people tap into being that best energetic version of themselves. So obviously movement is a huge part of that. So then I transition and always say, well, I'm in the business of bodies. And that, that doesn't just mean one hour of when you're working out. Like this is, this is encapsulating the other 23 hours of your day. It's the way you think, it's the way you eat. It's the way you, your environment that you create around you from your home to your friends, to, you know, your internal dialogues. So that's kind of how I sort of frame up. Yes. Again, it's not like a bulletproof, you know, I don't want to be like, I'm a health and wellness consultant. Like I am, but I don't think it kind of maybe captures the mood as much as like energy dealer or saying like I'm in the business of bodies. And like, you know, it's like, I want you to be able to come to me with any problem, not just if you don't know how to lunge or if you've got a sore foot or 
I want it to be about, you're like, I'm heartbroken or like, I'm, I feel like I've hit a plateau, like in my motivation or like, you know, whatever it is, like energetically, I just feel off. Like there's just so many, you know, whenever I start working with a new client, it's fascinating because I spend like the first like three sessions just figuring them out. And I'm like, okay, what are your triggers? Like, when do you quit? Like how far, like, and that's what I usually try and push people. And that's what I use high intensity for a lot of the time. Cause I want to know when you're going to give up on yourself. And then I want to figure out why and how you did it, because it tells me like what you do with every other area of your life. And I think that's like, so it's like you say, it's listening, it's watching. Like I talk a lot, but best believe I watch a lot. I watch, I listen, like, that sounds so creepy. I watch. <laughs> no, I think you're one of like the best sure. listeners that I know. And I always say that you can't learn while you're talking. You can only learn while you're listening. I am so curious about where the jump came from, one, from fitness and business to oh. the health and wellness world, but also like why you studied finance, like where that came from for you. I mean, I think it's genius because if I could go back in time, I would do that. And I didn't. But I'd love That's to fine. hear where you that made great choices. From. Thank you. Well, okay. So I loved economics at school, like loved it, loved math. Also loved sport. Like sport really got me through high school. Like, you know, I was very academic, but like sport and being on a team means the most to me. And I think there's so much of life that can feel like an individual pursuit. I have zero interest if it's literally just about me. And that's the one thing that I think sometimes upsets me about Instagram is it feels very narcissistic. And so I try and use my tool as much as I can to be like, I love what my friends are doing. I'm so proud of my friends, like, and supporting other people. And that's always going to be something that I do. I don't want it to, I actually don't want it to be about me in a, in a weird way. I think it shocks people all the time. Like I don't have amazing confidence and I don't want to be the center of attention. I just want to be part of the, the team and be there with everyone. So I had this, this correlation of team sport, um, Actually, my brother and I used to ride dirt bikes. Like that was our thing. I also played super competitive water polo. I ended up breaking my knee from motocross and had a knee operation when I was 15 that put me on crutches for four months. And then when I jumped back in the pool post having pins put in my knee, they'd never told me I wouldn't play water polo again because my knee just wouldn't egg me. So it wouldn't spit. So that was, I guess, how I first really started to care about kind of like some strength training and understanding like, and I had these chicken stick legs. So I was like, damn, I have to like really put some muscle on to protect this knee because they were like, you know, if you don't look after this, you're going to have a knee replacement like early on in life. And I was like, absolutely not. So I still kept playing on my sport. I always knew I wanted to study business going to university. Like that was a non-negotiable for me. Once I transitioned out of school and playing sport, a lot of my friends went to a university in South Island, which is very known for partying. Me and my best friend at the time, we stayed in Auckland because that was where the best business school was. And we studied there. I was there for three and a half years and I loved it. And I was just working out at the gym like crazy. I would structure my university timetable around the gym. And then once I transitioned from my degree, I first applied for a job for Nike. And of course they had none but I'd always wanted to work in marketing for them because I know everyone says this, but it had honestly been my dream to work for Nike since I was like five. And I would tell my teachers that at school so much so that they'd expressed concern to my parents about how specific I was about what job That's I was doing. That's so interesting. It's crazy. So I remember being like, oh, a bit gutted when I took my CV in and they're like, we don't have a job in New Zealand, Australia, like, you know, very small territories. They don't, they didn't have that many. So I was like, okay. I worked in media buying at first for a while. And then I went and worked at a fitness company as a brand manager. And it kind of took me on this whole train of thought about, I was like, fitness is so beautiful and amazing, but why on earth is it such a tacky industry? And this is years ago. 
I was like, it is so tacky. I was like, this is wild. You think about bodybuilding, you think about typically how protein powders are advertised and you think about this before and after photo. And I was like, what happened to the, this whole period in between where you like realized totally. how awesome you feel and you fell in love with all these different things. And I was like, I don't think anyone articulates about fitness the way that they should. So I got really obsessed with trying to be that spokesperson from a marketing side about it. So much so that this company were like, okay, well, we want you to lead up this high intensity program. And I was like, absolutely not me. No, no, no. I don't teach. Like, that's not going to be my thing. And they're like, no, like you care so much. You're athletic. Like we think that it would be perfect. So it was kind of crazy that that was how I was then was doing the two jobs at the same time. And I, and at first I was still very much in denial about the fitness side. I was like, oh no, like we'll just get this going and then we'll get someone to sort of like take my place. And that was how Nike ended up finding me. And it was just hilarious that it was in a way that I never would have ever expected. Yeah. Um, And, you know, fortunately with Nike, I'm lucky that I do get to do a lot of things with them other than just training. You know, I do get to help on some other cool projects and whether that be designing sneakers for training or whether it be, you know, like being a little bit more involved with the marketing plans of how we do stuff. Like I love that because business at the core of me is always going to be important, but it's really around it's really around that articulation of what does it mean to be well and trying to fight for it to be not a tacky industry. So now it's obviously hilarious to me that it's like cool to be in the fitness industry because it was not cool at all. But so, I mean, like you work with these big brands, like you've been working with Nike, like you said, for nine years and you work with Whoop. How have you helped grow your career within those brands, but then also separately to be yourself and like gain the following that you have? To say you grew up your whole twenties with Nike is like cool. You know, like what a time. And I'm so grateful that, yeah, I've done a lot of work for them, but like also for them to believe in me, especially like some young kid from New Zealand and like to really be here, like leading the charge for them on training is awesome. Like I never could have dreamed of that happening. But I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, and the reason Joe does well with them too, in the same sense is like we very much have a point of view and we have like, we are, we, you can trust us because you know we care that much. And you also know that we do our work and we do our, and again, it's the same as like, because we're not just trainers. Like, as you say, it's like, we're bringing in all these other pieces. You have to understand who you are before you attach all these other names to you, you know, like be your own magnet. And like, that also comes from, you know, this because you work with a ton of amazing brands at the time. You actually have to be like, you know what, non-negotiably, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't, I don't sit with you. Like that brand like violates my non-negotiables and like, it doesn't matter about money. Like that's just not an authentic partnership. And that's the one thing that I always had to be clear on the whole time I was a trainer, because I was like, I know I'm speaking to young girls and I know I'm speaking to more than just young girls, but I knew at the time I was speaking to young girls. And I was like, I want to be like, if I'm going to be a role model or something, like I just want to be someone they can trust because there's so many people out there that are, that are pushing things maybe because it's a little more self-serving or, or, you know, like it's something that's cool at the time, but like, do you actually have like educated opinion about that? And do you actually know that that is a good thing to suggest to people and support? So, you know, like I would say that Joe and I have a very strong moral compass and that's helped us kind of navigate through our careers with any partnerships that we make and then any projects that we have, you know, obviously as plant-based gang, system of service, which I love. I always wear my t-shirt of your guys with mad happy to sleep, which I love. Like I remember at the start when I, started my protein powder company and the fact it's called made of like everyone was like why what a dumb name and I was like is it it's a call to action like I don't think it's dumb yeah because I don't think it's dumb at all makes perfect sense I'm like literally asking you not only to understand what your food is made of but what are you made of like what are you filling your life with? 
Like really do an audit of the people that are in your life, the behaviors that are in your life and the way that you're spending your time. And um, I don't care if you're not buying my product, but like I care if you're like making good decisions for yourself. But that's what I've also been enjoying about this time now is like really being out of focus on Madoff more and because that's my son and it's cool. Like it is an extension of me. And um, yeah, it's been fun to like kind of have it grow. And um, obviously it's only like, you know, we have, it's one product, two flavors. Um, and people are like, when are you making a vegan one? Or when are you doing this? When are you doing this? It's like, hey, probably not. Like uh, it's a whey protein because I use whey protein and that's what I believe right. in. And there's a ton of other, ton of vegan proteins out there. But like, I'm out, not out here trying to wear Nike and Adidas. So it's just like, I'm being one. <laughs> I love that. trying to be everything. I think that's really important in the health and wellness space. I've seen so many brands that I love that have started with one product and then have merged yeah. into another product that honestly just feels off brand and feels like something they just like felt like they needed to do to like elevate themselves to a certain it, level right? or it's, like compete in something. And I'm like, no, like I would have loved to see you like yeah. perfect that first product and like maybe expand the range of that. But it's, yeah. it's interesting. I had this like the other day where I feel like that's a product of kind of like this generation that we're in and this kind of toxic culture of like being a multi-hyphenate. It's like if you start something, get really fucking good at it and finish it before you go to the next thing just so you can call yourself a multi-hyphenate. And that might mean that you might not love what you're doing 100%, but you started it and like 90% of the people don't absolutely love their jobs. And like you started it and you started it for a reason. This is the thing, like, that's why it's like, people laugh, like they think it's cute when I talk about Madoff being my son, but I'm like, no, it is like, I'm not just going to give up on it. Like I need it to be like, I'm going to grow it. I'm going to go through its teething stages with it. I'm going to hate it sometimes, but I'm still going to pick it up from school. (laughs) Like Totally. You know, and I think, I think I love what you said about finishing it. Cause like one of my biggest goals for this year was to kind of like eliminate some of the procrastination that I often had around finishing stuff because it's very easy actually having ideas is the easiest part like sticking with it through the thick and thin and that's why I love using like for better or for worse with a lot of things like you know there's been many a moment with business or even with Nike where it's like I'm in a total tailspin like I'm so mad or I'm so nervous I think I'm gonna vomit like pass out like whatever it is because it's like an emotional overload I would rather have that and then you know just be so I don't know, distracted by too many things or like set on too many things. Like I was, my mom always told us too, when we were growing up, she said, you know, I'd rather have the highs and the lows than be stuck in the middle. And I think that's the same way, you know, you think about the texture of life. You don't want it to be monotone and, you know, like anything, like when you, when you do want to see something through from beginning to end, there's going to be a lot of variance. I would love to talk a little bit about just the wellness industry from a zoomed out perspective from a couple different lenses that I think only you hold, which is one, I think wellness and just even going to the gym has always had like a very male dominant energy to it. And I think I've gotten so much like inspiration and like taking a lot of solace and like seeing the way that you and Joe work out. Cause I do think you guys kind of work out like opposite of your gender roles, quote unquote, (laughs) you are the pyro girl and you're doing hot sauce fucking burpees. Like, what is that? And bear crawls and like all of these really (laughs) intense things that I think historically women have been told not to do in the gym because we don't want to bulk up or whatever. And then Joe's out here doing like hip knee (laughs) movements. Like he's He's all about, exactly. He's like all about those like really dedicated 
like muscle movement things, which have been so helpful. Like both of them have been so helpful for me, which I think is like a big shift in the industry. But I would just love to hear your perspective, one, as a woman in the industry, and two, how you've seen that change be something that's for good. I think once I went into training, I was fortunate that I like worked with an amazing trainer, but before even working with him, like I already had this mindset of, I was like, I want to do that stuff. And it wasn't for anyone other than me. I remember the first time I did a pull-up at the gym with him and I was like, oh, I can only do two. And he was like, okay, you know that most people can't even get up and do it. I can't do it. And he, he never let me learn like with bands and stuff. And he was just like, you're going to learn like from the beginning like this. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, I want to do a pull-up with like half my body weight attached. And he was like, okay. And then that like became a huge goal that we'd work towards. And I remember one time we were training and typically in the gym that I worked out in New Zealand, there was like a mixed gym area, but there was a separate women's gym. And a man came up and he's like, you need to move. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you need to move. I need this machine. And I was like, well, we're not done. And he was like, he was like, yeah, there's a woman's gym upstairs. And that I remember that kind of pissing me off. I was like 23 at the time. And I was like, ripped as shit like really lean, like, and my trainer turned around and goes, okay, cool. Well, when you're doing weighted pull-ups, like she can, we'll move for you. But until then he's like, you need to go find somewhere else to work out. Maybe you should go to the women's gym. And I, I remember just being like, so proud of my trainer, like wow. just standing up for me. I was like, yeah, you go to the women's gym. But I was also like in my head that didn't exist of like women's and men's like, this is appropriate for you. And this is appropriate for you. I was just always dialed into like, how does this feel? what lights me up the most, what lights me up the most is when I feel really strong, you know, so whether it be through why I love high intensity so much is I think it's like flirting with danger and it's always teaching you like new boundaries. And when you're so breathless, you actually can't think about anything else. Right. And so it's an escapism. It's a moment of freedom from all of, you know, we have very busy brains. Like my brain is never not like thinking about something. And so it felt like freedom for me. And I just loved being strong and I loved the challenge. And it was never about flexing against someone else. It was only about myself. So that was then what I carried through into me being a trainer and me trying to train people. And I was like, I don't care if you can do 10 hot sauce burpees and you can do two. I care that you feel confident in the way that you do them. And I think it is interesting. Like, obviously it's really fun when Joe and I partnered together because there is a nice synergy, but it's also like saying like, yes, girls can train like guys and guys can train like girls. But like just my one ask anything, anytime you're doing training is like, what is your why? Because that's typically like what, you know, like I've been running a lot more. So like I haven't strength trained as much because I was training for a half marathon and I was wanting to move faster. So, you know, I still love, it's not saying I don't love anything girly. I love yoga. I love Pilates. And also not just saying that those are girly things. I think men should do those too. And I encourage all the men that I train to do those. How do you manage expectations of the people that you're training or the people that are in your class? Because it's like, I can imagine it being so difficult as somebody who is like a wellness coach or a trainer where like the person will come in two, three times a week and you can't control the like external things going on in their life, but you have to manage their expectations and also your own of like what the goal is. I think it's being more fluid about what's appropriate, but also like not just like, you know what, honestly, like I just ignore DMs when girls are like, Hey, can you just help me out with like, I don't, I would da, da, da. like, but if they use the terms like bulky or like, I need to lose fat, I need to like, if it's not articulated in like a kind of constructive way, I'm just like, I'm just getting this message. Like I'm, I, I can't, I've only ever fired like one client in my time. And that was just because we were just so disaligned on, it was the same thing. I was like, you don't, I'm here doing the work and you're not doing the work. And like, I'm not going to repeat the same thing this many times over and over. And I don't do reverse progress. So like, if you can't meet me halfway and you can't show me that you care for yourself, like, how can I care for you? Right. 
yeah, the first step of respect and getting results is you, you can't demand respect from other people if you are not respecting yourself, you know? And so I get it. You can still respect yourself, but not feel, feel fully confident. But, you know, a respect can be like, I'm going to do what we spoke about. Like if I tell you that I'm doing something, I'm actually doing it. I'm not lying about right. it. And then I'm seeing as your trainer on your Instagram story that you're doing the total opposite. But, you know, also it's for people need to understand, like we were saying before, it's not the one hour workout that's happening. It's the other 23 hours of the day. And just know most for females, when they are happy, regardless really of what's happening with their nutrition, look, let's be clear. It's not them writing themselves up for nutrition. When women are happy, their body is always at its best. Like, it is a hormonal thing completely. Like paired with a bit of exercise, paired with some pretty good nutrition, you'll have your best body of your life. On the flip side, I can tell you from a personal experience, being so disciplined, knowing every single thing that I ate, knowing being so calculated about food, training and everything. I've had the leanest body of my life and all of these things that you might say is the ideal and been my most miserable. And I would never trade that for just what it feels like to feel happy and feel carefree and not feel locked into something. So I just think it's about articulating a balance. And that is one of the nice things as you do get a bit older, you realize like what actually matters. You've obviously have just talked about some ups and downs that you've had. Where are you at with your body and like health now? <laughs> you know what? Like, honestly, you asked me. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. You know, one of the hardest things about being in the fitness industry and having your body out there all the time is like, we, we honestly like have bloated days too. Like I have a new program dropping on the Nike app tomorrow and I'm like, I don't love how I look in a lot of the outfits or on the things. People also don't know I filmed three days with food poisoning. So like my stomach's inflated. Like I was in Ugh. pain. I was like vomiting in between Ouch. the shoots. And I, you know what? I was more like, you know what? I'm going to be proud of myself that I still came to sit every day and film because actually I'm the one person that can't get sick. Like the show must go on. And, you know, there's so many things people don't see behind the scenes. They don't know you're filming four to maybe five workouts a day back to back and stuff. And it's a lot of overload. And so your body, you know, for me, I have to like turn a blind eye to a lot of the stuff that I see in these things. And I'm just more like that I do a great job as a teacher. Like uh, people, am I making change to other people? Because it's actually not about me. I'm just the tool to try and make them better. I feel so much more confident about my body. I'm 31 now, which I hate to say, but I'm 31. I feel so much more confident about my body in the last like eight weeks than I have in years because I kind of like have balance once I'm not flying all the time you know I'm sleeping in the same bed every night I am not having to race around the city like crazy I'm cooking all my meals which I love doing anyway yeah. and, and I got my hormones in check a little bit and that and and that wasn't an easy task that was like you know really working on adrenals on cortisol at the same time and I'm so thankful like I'm just it, it honestly babe it was crazy I remember just like all of a sudden starting to wake up again and I was like I'm just so happy and I was like damn like I felt yeah. like I was back into an old version of myself and I was I like, that. that to me is what feels the most beautiful. Like that is the confidence. It's not about whether you've got the six pack or if your legs look their best or like whatever, you know, I was like, damn, it's that intrinsic feeling where you wake up and you feel like electric and you're just like, I am a good time. You know, like that's all I love that. we can ask. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people right now that like might not be feeling their best, especially in quarantine? Like, yeah. The snacking is probably so real. And <laughs> struggle working out from home. And it's like, you know, for some people that are really relying on their routines, it's a tough time. Yep. I completely agree. Honestly, the snacking's hot, you know, like, especially if you live in New York, right? the fridge is right there. Literally right there. So 
you know, like you said, routine. Okay. So I still get up at 6am every day and I don't need to every day, but I still do because one, I can't actually sleep, but two, um, you know, I'm trying to keep that routine and rhythm that I know my body loves so much. Like that's when the best stuff is happening for me. And I think everyone wants routine, even if they say that they don't. And so you need to articulate what your new, what your new normal is for this stay at home time. So it's like, okay, get up, have your plan of action. If you know, you love to like stretch in the morning and, you know, have your coffee, whatever it is. So I always say to people, I'm like, if you are really struggling, it probably is first coming from, you don't have a routine. Okay, I get it. You can't have your usual biomarkers of what you think routine is. However, you can still create ground rules for how it's going to be for you at home. And, you know, we've been in this long enough now that we have to really be our own bodyguards from ourselves. So you can't fall victim to your bad habits. Like I would hope that we're all going to leave this time with better habits than how we came into it. I write down in a journal every morning, a sentence that pops into my brain, like that I've been thinking about before I am on any point of contact with any other human, before I'm on social media, before I've texted anyone back, before I've opened an email. So it is my unpolluted thought and it's going to be an amazing handbook. What it would maybe be like four weeks of stuff and now it could be four months, who knows. I would recommend people doing that too because you just get to take an honest audit on how you're feeling when you first wake up and then that helps you manage over the day if you're like okay like I started off feeling great and then somewhere my my day really derailed and what was that from okay and was it something that I could have prevented like was it that I was unnecessarily on Instagram too much or was I on this or this or this you know and like you know, it's definitely a challenging time. Like I miss people, but I'm lucky. I'm grateful this is going to make us work together better. And I'm grateful that we have to be agile and more innovative in the way that we move forward in the world. So, you know, that it's really easy to focus on all the bad news, but I think that we have to focus on some of the good things that are going to come from this. And we have to focus on some of the opportunities that are here, not just the loss. And yeah. What's your mantra right now? Oh, learn once. Not learn once, not twice, never more than twice. That's a great one. You know, guys, sometimes we make the same mistakes over and over again, and it's not that sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I adore you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry I took literally like three hours of your time. (laughs) Oh my God, you can have my whole life. What do you want? I'll give you a whole decade. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.